Vishnupad Paramhamsa Parivraja Kacharja Ashtotarashtata Shishimad AC Bhaktivaranta Swami Srila Prabhupada Ki Anantakota Vaishnavrinda Ki All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to Shri Guru and Gauranga. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Namaha Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Ajnana Timarandasya Janajana Shalakaya Chakshurun Minitam Jaina Tasmai Shri Guruve Namaha I was born in the darkest ignorance, and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. Sri Chaitanya Manovistam Stapitam Jena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Dadatit Swapadantikam When will Srila Rupa Goswami Prabhupada, who was established within this material world, the mission to fulfill the desire of Lord Chaitanya, give me shelter under his lotus feet? Vancha kalpa tarubhyasya kripa sanubhyavacha patitanam pavanebhyo vaishnavebhyo namo namaha. 
I offer my respectful obeisances unto the Vaishnav devotees of the Lord. They are just like desire trees and can fulfill the desires of everyone. And they are full of compassion for the fallen conditioned souls. Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya, Prabhu Nityananda, Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shiva Sadi Gaurabhakta Vrinda. I offer my respectful obeisances unto Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Lord Nityananda, Sri Advaita, Gadadhar Pandit, Sri Vastakur, and all the devotees of Lord Chaitanya. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. I pray that Sri Radha Kalachanji, Srila Prabhupada, Srila Gurudev use me as an instrument so that their message can flow through me to give me the words to serve this room. Today is Tuesday, August 17th. I'm 2021. I'm Jay Sri Radha Devi Dasi, and we are reading from Srimad Bhagavatam Canto 1. Creation, Chapter 9, The Passing Away of Bhishmadev in the Presence of Lord Krishna. Text 15. Yatra Dharma Suto Raja Gadapanir Vrikodrara Krishna Sri Gandivam Chapam Srut Krishna Stato Vipat. Do you like to chant? Yatra Dharma Suto Raja Gadapanir Vikrodara Krishna Sri Gandivam Chapam Srut Krishna Stato Vipat. Yatra, where there is, Dharma Sutta, the son of Dhammaraj, Raja, the king, Gadapani, with his mighty club in hand, Rikodara, Bhima, Krishna, Arjuna, Ashtri, carrier of the weapon, Gandivam, Gandiva. Japam, bow. Surut, well-wisher. Krishna, Lord Krishna, the, the personality of Godhead. Sata, thereof. Vipat, reverse. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada. Oh, how wonderful is the influence of inevitable time. It is irreversible. Otherwise, how can there be reverses in the presence of King Yudhisthir, the son of the demigod controlling religion, Bhima, the great fighter with a club, the great bowman Arjuna with his mighty weapon Gandiva, and above all, the Lord, the direct well-wisher of the Pandavas? Purport. As far as the material or spiritual resources were required, there was no scarcity in the case of the Pandavas. Materially, they were well-equipped because two great warriors, namely Bhima and Arjuna, were there. Spiritually, the king himself was the symbol of religion. 
And above all of them, the personality of Godhead, Lord Sri Krishna, was personally concerned with their affairs as the well-wisher. And yet, there were so many reverses on the side of the Pandavas. Despite the power of pious acts, the power of personalities, the power of expert management, and the power of weapons under the direct supervision of Lord Krishna, the Pandavas suffered so many practical reverses, which can only be explained as due to the influence of Kala, inevitable time. Kala is identical with the Lord himself, and therefore the influence of Kala indicates the inexplicable, inexplicable wish of the Lord himself. There is nothing to be lamented when a matter is beyond the control of any human being. So today we can see that we're going to be talking about time and how that affects all of us. You know, in Bhagavad Gita 11.32, Krishna says, Time I am, the great destroyer of the worlds. So right away in this verse, we see that Krishna is establishing himself as time as well as being there presently as in, in the presence of the Pandavas. And no matter how favored and amazing the Pandavas were, spiritually, materially, they had great feats, even they were subject to the effects of time. So, And I was also curious, Prabhupada uses this word reverses, and we tend to think of reverse as going backwards. like, right? He says time is irreversible, and then yet there are so many reverses. So it seems like, what is he talking about? And there are other definitions of reverses. In this case, Prabhupada's referring to the definition of setbacks or upsets or failures, misfortunes, disasters, tragedies, accidents, hardships, things like that, challenges that we all face. And we can see practically that even in the presence, the physical presence of Krishna, of God himself, the Pandavas, as devout as they were, as um, devoted to Krishna as they were, they still had these many setbacks and um, misfortunes, hardships upon them. So the presence of Krishna alone isn't enough to relieve our hardships even in the material world. And our biggest hardship, our biggest tragedy is that that everyone faces, no matter who you are, how materially affluent or poor or spiritually affluent, the one tragedy that we all face is time. And time marches on. You know, there's that proverb, time waits for no one. And that's true. We see that practically. It doesn't matter, even in the case of exalted devotees who are in the presence of Krishna, they are still affected by the effects of time. They're not even saved from that. So time is really important. And we really have to value time. You know, we when we talk about time, we use the same words that we do with money, right? Spend time, waste time, invest our time, you know, gain time. But we can't really ever gain time. We can spend our time wisely, which helps us gain time. So we can see that time is important. There's a quote that says from, I think the um, person who said this quote was Miles Davis, and he said, time isn't the main thing, it's the only thing. It's the only thing that we all have equally at the same time. We might have different amounts of time that we're here in this 
particular body on earth, but we each have 24 hours in a day that we decide how we're going to spend that time. A while back, I don't know, maybe about 10 years ago now, there was a movie that came out. It was called, I think the name is In Time. Very interesting sci-fi movie with the premise of time being used as currency. There was some, like, advancement of human society in which everybody would age until the age of 25, and then at the age of 25, everybody had one year to live after that. But you could increase the time that you lived by, and they would have the markers on their forearm, which is why I'm pointing to their forearm, and you could increase the times that you live by earning time. So instead of getting paid in money, they would get paid in time. And they would buy things with time as well. And I just thought that was really an interesting concept because at the heart of it, that's exactly how we purchase and live our lives currently. It's not so obvious that, you know, I'm going to have a, a year's worth of time left and I can buy and purchase more, or I can use that time to purchase other things. But it's practically like that because we earn money, and how do, most of us earn money by working. You know, we have a nine-to-five job, either hourly or salary. But there's a certain amount of time that we're trading in for dollars. You know, even if you're earning, let's say, a salary of you know a hundred thousand a year, they still divide that up into time of like 40 hours a week. And if you look at your individual paycheck, it kind of breaks it down to hourly. So even if you work more than 40 hours or less than 40 hours, you still get that much time. So 40 hours a week, that's like usually 8 to 5, Monday through Friday. And you're trading that time. You're trading those hours for money, which then you'll spend on things whether or not you have time to enjoy those things or not is a whole separate thing. And many of us in this, you know, in the way the society is set up is that we're not only spending that time working like Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, we usually have a commute. And that commute to work can be anywhere from one way from 20 minutes to an hour or sometimes even more. I know of people that commute like an hour and a half each way. Um, and they have reasons that they do that. But still, that's a lot of time that is invested just towards earning money. And some of the time is not really towards earning money. It's so that you can earn money, like commuting. Right? So, you know, you look at that, your day. I know when I was working 9 to 5, not even 9 to 5, 8 to 5, supposedly, sometimes I wouldn't get home till 10 o'clock at night. There's so much work to be done. Um, You know, you look at all those hours plus the commute. So I had like a 25-minute commute. So it was 50 minutes added on to that. Um, So let's just round that to an hour. I mean, I would say most days I would work um, 15, 16-hour days. And so like that time can never get gained back. And that's just going towards working. And we need to work. We need to earn money. We, because we have thing, you know, we have our body to maintain. We have our life to maintain. We have our family to maintain. We have our duties to maintain. And, you know, we, 
always have to make that decision. Like, are we going to spend money on something or are we going to spend time on something? For instance, currently the air conditioner in my car just stopped working. And it's weird, the air blows, but it blows out hot air. So now I have to make the decision of like, you know, I can, I think, well, I already bought the can of Freon. Now I have to figure out, do I take it to someone and pay them, or do I spend a couple of hours looking at YouTube videos on how to refill Freon in your car and try to do it myself, which I may be successful and I may not. Or do I just spend that money and pay someone, right? Do I spend that time or do I spend the money? And every time we do something, we're making that decision. You know, when I was younger, and I still kind of do it, my mom, you know, was very smart with our money. And she did things like clip coupons and look for bargains and sales. And sometimes, you know, a grocery, a day of grocery shopping could take quite a few hours because you go to one store for this sale for these things and then another store for this sale for these things. And as I got older, you know, I kind of stopped that practice of clipping coupons. But if coupons would come to me somehow or another, you get them in the mail or they just show up, then I keep track of them and I try to use them if they're things that I would buy normally. Um, and then going to different stores, like I did that in the beginning, like probably in, through college and even medical school. But as I got older, I was like, I need that time. I'm just going to go to one store and one-stop shop. I might spend a little bit more money, but then I'm saving a lot more time and I'm not driving to three or four different stores you know, sometimes for one item or two items just because they're cheaper there. So we're always making these kinds of decisions. You know, are we going to spend our time working to make money or are we going to spend our time doing other things? And the goal is to spend our time thinking of Krishna. And, you know, there's this uh, quote, another quote, that says, the way we spend our time defines who we are. So, you know, we have so many options of how we want to spend our time. And when I hear from people that spend long hours working and earning a lot of money, the biggest lamentation they have is they don't get to spend enough time with their family or they miss major um, uh, events in their children's lives. Like, you know, because they're working, they may miss the first time the child says a word or the child walks or they may miss football games and baseball games of their kids or plays and things like that because of their working. And we that's another decision we have to make. Like how important is earning the money versus the uses that we make use of that money. Prabhupada and so many of his disciples often share that story of how there is um, a servant, you know, and he's the servant of a rich man, and the rich man is always out of the house, you know, um, earning money, so he never gets to enjoy any of the luxuries that he buys. But the servant gets to enjoy everything because they're there all day. You know, they have their duties, they finish their duties, they can watch the big screen TV, they can go swim in the pool, hang out in the jacuzzi, use the home gym, or whatever other amenities the rich guy has purchased for his home, but never gets to use because he's busy earning all this money to buy all these things. 
And there's another quote. I didn't find it, but it's something like, I think it was um, George Carlin, the comedian that said, you know, we spend all of our time earning money so that we can buy things that we're going to put in our house and never use so that we can say we have these things. But because we have these things, we have to go and work harder to earn money, and then we don't get to spend time, you know, we don't get to use any of these things. And that, so that's the material things that we earn money for. And then we also earn money to help keep our family um, comfortable, you know, under a, a nice house, um, having food on the table, clothes to wear, things like that. So we want to make sure that we're taking care of these things. At the same time, we want to have good relationships with each other. And the best way to have good relationships with each other is to spend time. There's, it's practically impossible to have a good relationship if you're not spending any time together, whether that's time, you know, hanging out, learning about each other, um, you know, doing things together, creating that camaraderie of doing service together. Um, one of my, you know, I'm, really big into personal development and Tony Robbins is a big person that I listen to and he says proximity is power. So the closer we are together, the more likely our, our relationships are going to be stronger. That's why association is so important. So how do we get to know someone? If you want to get to know someone, if you want to build a relationship with someone, what are some things that you do to get to know a person? I'm sorry? Talking to them? That's right. You can talk to them one-on-one, ask them questions. Any other ways you can get to know a person? Snoop around the web. Well, we have social media for that, right? And um, that's another way to get to see what a person's doing because a lot of times people will share on their social media what they're up to, what's important to them. Um, if they're famous enough, they may have, you know, a biography, web pages, Wikipedia pages, things like that that you can read about. Um, you can read about their lives and their work. And so you get to know them on a more impersonal level, and then you get to know them on a personal level when you actually have conversations with them and you talk to them face-to-face. And that's pretty much the same thing with our relationship with Krishna. Because that's really a relationship. We're building that relationship. So in order to get to know Krishna, you know, we can follow his social media accounts, which is the Srimad Bhagavatam, you know, Bhagavad Gita. We can read about their works and their lives, which again is the Srimad Bhagavatam, the Bhagavad Gita. And then we can personally get to know them. We can personally get to know Krishna through conversations and, and even hanging out. And that's through things like japa and personal intimate service with the deities, like dressing the deities, doing arthi with the deities. That's, that's personal interactions that we have with Krishna. So we want to make sure that we're taking that time to spend with Krishna. You know, Prabhupada, at the end of this purport today, he says, there is nothing to be lamented when a matter is beyond the control of any human being. I thought this was really, like, timely and profound for me, right? Because a lot of times we're in this constant state of anxiety or depression because we're trying to control things that are beyond our control. And time is beyond our control. 
I can't make time go any slower. I can't make it go any faster. I can't go backwards in time. You know, sci-fi likes to have uh, time machines, but such things aren't really possible. You can't go back in time and relive events. You can relive them in your mind, but then you're spending present time doing that. And there's no, as a result, there's no such thing as time management. We, we can't manage time. We all have the same 24 hours in a day, the same 60 minutes in an hour, the same 60 seconds in a minute. We can't manage that. You know, I can't make that be more for me and less for you. I can't take your time away and give myself more. We both have the same amount, equal amount of time. But what we can do is prioritize how we spend our time. And so really, when we talk about time management, we're talking about priority management, making sure that what's important to us is what we're making time for. You say, if you want to know what's important to someone, look and see how they spend their time. And that's basically what we're wanting to do. What do we prioritize? In the Srimad Bhagavatam 2.2.3, Srila Prabhupada in the purport says, one second of human life wasted in the vein of research of planning for happiness in the material world can never be replaced even if one spends millions of coins of gold. So that minute that just passed, can never be replaced. Even if I had a billion dollars, I can't buy that time back. I can't get yesterday back, no matter how much money I have, how much gold I have, how much bargaining I do with Krishna. Because time marches forward, it doesn't go backwards. And Prabhupada here is stating that pursuing temporary happiness is a wasted endeavor. And I've discussed that before as to why, because the temporary nature of of the material world means that we're always going to be in this constant flux of happiness and distress. You know, there are good times, there are bad times. There's happiness, distress, there's cold, there's hot. You know, there's all these things that are constantly changing, the changing of the seasons. We have to learn to just find internal joy. And where does that internal joy come from? Where is that permanent joy? And why do we seek it? We seek it because that is our nature. We are eternal uh, beings of bliss and knowledge. So we're eternal beings of bliss. We're constantly seeking that pleasure, that joy, that happiness, and we're trying to fill it with temporary things. And we can think, oh, well, you know, I'll be happy if or I'll be happy when, but that when or if never happens. Like I can say, oh, I'll be happy when I have, you know, a nice big mansion But then once I get the mansion, it's like, oh, well, I'll be happy if I have furniture to fill the mansion. Oh, I'll be happy if I have someone to clean the mansion. Or I'll be happy if I have cars to park in front of the mansion. So, like, it never ends. We reach one goal. You know, if we think about it, if you reach a goal, you earn something, you get something, you buy something, how long does the excitement and happiness last? I'd say at the most, depending on how exciting it is, at the most, maybe 24 hours, you know, 48 hours maximum. After that, the novelty is worn off, and you're like, okay, what's next? What's the next big thing? So that's the temporary nature of the material world. 
And so we want to focus on what's permanent, what's eternal pleasure, what's eternal bliss. And that's Krishna, our relationship to Krishna. That's why it's so important for us to uncover who we truly are. We're already that person. We just have so much material coverings from our attachments, our desires of thousands and millions of lifetimes that are covering it. And so we just want to uncover it. Just want to clean, you know, clean the dust off so that we can let our light shine, our true nature shine. And Bhagavad Gita Krishna says in 2.16, those who are seers of the truth have concluded that of the non-existent, the material body, there is no endurance, and of the eternal, the soul, there is no change. This they have concluded by studying the nature of both. So learned persons have studied both the material and the spiritual. And they've concluded that the soul is permanent and the body is temporary. So does that mean that we just give up doing all of our activities and just sit in the temple and chant and, you know, renounce everything? It doesn't mean that. It means that we have to balance what's necessary to maintain our bodies, our families, our communities, and still prioritize our endeavor to uncover who we truly are, just uh, devotees, spirits, souls that are servants of Krishna, of God. The verse that I read the purple from a little earlier, Srimad Bhagavatam 2.2.3, says, For this reason, the enlightened person should endeavor only for the minimum necessities of life while in the world of names. So it says, we want to endeavor, but only for the minimum necessities of life. And one thing to keep in mind is what's minimum necessities for me is not the same as what's minimum necessities for someone else. So if we're all talking about, you know, someone who's maybe young and healthy and vibrant, a minimum necessity for them might be just a small mat on the floor to sleep on. Or somebody who's older and has arthritis and maybe some other aches and pains, they may need a softer bed or a more comfortable bed to lay down just to be able to do their services during the day. And it's important to recognize what our needs are and what our minimum necessities are. And even to recognize if we're getting into a little bit of luxury or our wants and purchasing or doing something because we want to, not necessarily because it's our minimum necessities. And that doesn't necessarily make it a bad thing or a wrong thing to do. It's just important to understand the differences there. Because when you can understand the differences, then at some point when you're ready to give give up certain things, you can understand, well, you know, this was actually just a luxury, so it's going to be easy enough to give that up. Whereas certain things are going to be more of a necessity, that if you don't have these minimum things, it's going to be really hard to do your services, hard to do whatever your services are. So we still act in this world. We still do our services. We do our duty. We do it with intention and mindfulness. We think about what it is that we're doing, why we're doing it, and do it anyway. Right? We do it with Krishna in mind. In Bhagavad Gita 4.42, is one of my favorite verses, Krishna says, Armed with yoga, O Bharata, stand and fight. This is 
a very important verse because he's telling Arjuna, with knowledge, do your duty. He's not saying with knowledge, go to the forest and renounce everything and meditate. He's saying, you, you know, do your duty with intention, knowing these things, knowing that this is your service, do it proudly and stand strong, um, armed with knowledge. So we perform our own activities, our services with knowledge of Krishna and service to him. And we have to know what our duty is, what our needs are, what our wants are, um, what our desires are. And it's really important to know what our duties are. There's a lot of things you know, that comes into the category of what is our dharma. We each have our own nature, our own services that we can do that really will engage us in understanding who Krishna is and our relationship to him even if it has outwardly nothing to do with Krishna. But inwardly, it's a service that we're performing for him. And so you can see two people are doing the same things, but if their mind, what they're thinking about and the reasons that they're doing it are completely different, then it's two different activities. You can have two people that are going to work as CEOs of their company and working hard and one person's thinking, okay, well, I'm going to work hard so that I can make sure that my family has, you know, food that they need, but I also want to make sure that I donate this amount of work, uh, this amount of money to the temple and the devotees and, you know, make sure that other people can do the service that I'm unable to do. So they have this thought in mind when they're going through their day that I'm really just working for Krishna and... I'm serving Krishna by serving my family who are Vaishnavs. I'm serving other Vaishnavs, donating, maintaining, you know, yourself. And then you have another CEO that might be thinking, well, you know, I'm going to do this so that I can buy a, a helicopter or a yacht or whatever the latest in billionaire, um, you know, desires are. So two people are doing the same thing, but they have totally different ideas of why they want to do it. So it makes it two, two different work, even though they look the same. So we each have our individual prescriptions, and we can't judge someone else based on what works and what doesn't work for us. So, you know, for me, um, I'm trained as a, a physician, and when I was working long hours, it wasn't working for me in terms of seeing this as Krishna's service. Because inside I knew that what I wanted to do, what my service was, is to empower people to live a healthier life, including spiritual activities. Because um, it's all connected, mind, body, spirit. You know, if our body is hurting, then it's harder to focus and meditate on our japa. And if our health is not so good, then we get constantly thinking about our health. But if our mind, you know, if we're depressed or our emotions are not under control. It's harder to, again, focus on japa. Um, there's that mind-body connection where a lot of times depression will can lead to um, physical ailments, and physical ailments can lead to more depression. And then there's the spiritual part. Like if we ignore the spiritual part, it's just it's kind of just again that temporary nature. We're just focusing on the body, and when we focus on the spiritual part, we gain this 
internal happiness and joy that helps with our physical aspect and our emotional and mental aspect. So it's all interrelated, and we want to work on it all together. Well, in the way the healthcare system is run, really it's just all focused on physical, and even then it's focused on drugs, like just prescribing medications. The pressure is to go in and out to see patients, as many patients as you can throughout the day, spending as little time as possible. You know, we talked earlier about to get to know a person, you have to spend time with them. And if the amount of time I'm spending with my patients is cut shorter and shorter, how do I get to know them? How do I get to know what's important to them to help them understand how to make changes to improve their health? Whether Even if it's as simple as why this medication is necessary, why this vaccine is important, why eating healthy is important, why exercising is important. In order to convey those things, it's helpful for me to understand who they are and what's important to them. Because otherwise, they may not relate to it. They may not see these things as important to their lives. If I don't know what's important to them, I can't bring it back to that. So for me, I felt like that wasn't the best way for me to share my spend my time. But for someone else, I know other devotees that are doctors, and they're very strong in their faith and devotion, and they're still seeing patients, and they're able to do that. Because that's their, that's their dharma. That's their personality. So I can't judge them based on my experiences. And they can't judge me based on their experiences. And so we each have our own experiences that we know and based on what our dharma is. So, you know, even when it comes to Krishna consciousness, we want to spread this message to everyone. We want to help them understand why it's so important to not endeavor for the temporary and start to work on things that are going to be more permanent. But all we can do is share our own experiences and our own stories. And if people relate and the actions that we take resonate with them and it seems like they can do the same things, then they'll follow in our footsteps and we can lead them. But that's all we can do. We can focus on what we can control which is my actions, my how I share my story, how I relate to people. But I can't physically control someone else to do what I've been doing or what I want them to do or what I think is best for them. Because at the end of the day, they're, they're going to do according, they're going to act according to their priorities, their experiences, what's important to them. Um, and all the, you know, um, tragedies that they're dealing with internally, all of the self-limiting doubts and fears that they have that they're dealing with, that we're all dealing with. And so it's like that. So when we come back to prioritizing our time, you know, no matter how busy our time is, we can prioritize to schedule Krishna into our day. You know, I physically put Japa into my schedule at a certain time each day, and I have an alarm that sets off that tells me it's Japa time, right? Usually by then, I'm already, like, I already know it's Japa time because it's, you know, when I wake up. But still, it's nice to have that blocked-out time that I know that I can't really schedule anything else. Um, I schedule time in my day that, you know, it's read Srimad Bhagavatam, so I read Srimad Bhagavatam for 15 minutes during that schedule time. And sometimes, like, I'm not so... Discipline that I'll stick completely to that schedule, 
But having it on the calendar reminds me that this is something that's important to me. It's important enough that I put it on my calendar. And sometimes it's like I wake up a little later and I may change the order of things and then I'll change the order that it appears on the schedule. So it's still on the schedule. I can see how I'm spending my time if I look back and say, okay, here's where I chanted and here's where I read and here's where I worked out and, you know, like these are the times and this is how much time it took me to do that. And then those are dedicated times, but then we can also spend time of, you know, just thinking about Krishna, of meditating on Krishna as we do our activities throughout the day. You know, I think many of us, majority of us, have had this experience of starting a new relationship, or even, I guess, in the case of a parent and child, you know, we, we're we doing something else. They may be somewhere else. That person may be somewhere else. But we're thinking of them. What are they doing at this moment? You know, especially when a, a relationship, a romantic relationship is new, you constantly think of them that way. It's like, oh, what are they doing? How, you know, how are they feeling in this moment? Are they thinking about me? Um, you know, and then you think about times that you've spent together in the past, and you think about, oh, and when I see them again, this is going to happen. And the same thing with the parent and child. They're always thinking about, what is my child up to? What is my child doing? Are they happy? No matter how old the child gets, the parents are always constantly thinking about them in this way. So that's how we want our thoughts of Krishna to be, constantly thinking about Krishna. What is he doing? How is he feeling? You know, what's going to happen? When can I see him again? Seeing him again is coming to the temple um, to see him face to face. It's also japa time. It's also reading about him. And these are all ways that we strengthen our relationship with Krishna. And our goal is to utilize every moment in Krishna's service or thinking of him. In Bhagavad Gita 9.34, Krishna says, Engage your mind always in thinking of me. Become my devotee. Offer obeisances to me and worship me. Being completely absorbed in me, surely you will come to me. Krishna gives us this instruction. Always think of him. Work for him. Do things for him. And then we will come to him. We'll recognize that we have this eternal relationship with him. So I'll stop there. Are there any questions? Um, so the question is, if I personally have found a way to um, come alongside some people to help them spiritually with my career, or did I have to go outside my career? So I kind of am redefining um, what health care is in the sense of taking it back to the basics. Like, we focus so much on treating symptoms and treating diseases that we don't focus on what are the causes. And um, like they say something like, CDC says something like 70 to 80% of the chronic conditions that we face here in the U.S. and first world countries um, are lifestyle related, meaning what we eat, how much we exercise or don't exercise, how much we sleep, how, how we deal with stress, our work hours, um, our relationships, um, our use of uh, recreational, risky 
substances, and whether or not we have purpose or meaning in life. These are all things that um, I started to look into. It's a practice of medicine called lifestyle medicine, and I'm actually board certified in lifestyle medicine as well. And those are the there's six pillars that we look at, and those are basically the six pillars. And I found that I was looking at these six pillars, and I thought, you know, if we can practice these six pillars, we'll at least come to the minimum of the mode of goodness. And Prabhupada says over and over again, from the mode of goodness, it's easier to make the leap from tra- to transcendental mode. We can make that leap from any mode, from the mode of darkness, from the mode of ambition, passion, you know, the mode of goodness. But it's easiest from the mode of goodness. And we all have all three of these modes in our in our in us, right? We affected by all three material modes of nature. It's just a matter of balancing it out or bringing out more of the goodness than anything else. So that's really like if you look at it, you know, what is the eating? It's eating whole, unprocessed fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds, grains and beans, right? So a vegetarian. Um, but very unprocessed, so fresh foods. Right? Um, so that's the best way to eat. Exercise, you know, any activity that we do, exor- whether it's dedicated exercise or it's active activities rather than just passive, sitting on the couch watching TV or sitting at the computer. So we want to be more active. Um, that's always good. And then, you know, avoiding risky substance use. Well, we know no intoxications, you know, no alcohol, no tobacco, drugs, things like that that we know can affect our physical body, but they also have an effect on our um, emotional and mental state of being, and we know that they also affect our spiritual well-being. And sense of community is a big one. Um, And that also, they kind of uh, lump in the sense of community and finding purpose and meaning together. But that sense of community is important because they show, you know, people that live a long time but also have great quality of life have a nice community around them. Like they, they're always surrounded by people and, you know, socializing, knowing their neighbors, walking everywhere, things like that. Um, and then sleeping. Sleeping is important. Bhagavad Gita says not to sleep too much or too little. So we have to sleep the right amount that our body needs. It's important. So these are all things that, you know, I'm working on instead of doing it as like a physician, doing using it more as like a coach um, and helping people change these habits. Because the more we change our habits, the more we are able to achieve the goal. So in terms of health, you know, it's not so much um, the goal that's as important as the practices that we put in place to achieve those goals. Like, for instance, you know, I'm constantly, like, on this quest of, like, weight loss, right? Like, oh, my God, I want to lose weight. I have five, ten pounds to lose or more sometimes. And um, the activities that I need to do to lose the weight are excellent activities, everything I just described. So whether or not I lose the weight then become secondary to just practicing these habits because the habits themselves can be more just as important, right? So in the case of our spiritual practice, you know, we want to meditate 
on Krishna um, and chant japa. And we chant japa so that we get to know Krishna. So, but we also chant japa as the end result. It's our goal to chant japa. But it's also our habit that we're establishing in order to be able to chant japa. So it's a little different there. But it's still a habit. It's a habit to get into in picking up your beads and chanting japa. And meditating to the point where it progresses from habit to just part of who you are. Like there's no question of not chanting your rounds. There's no question of not meditating on Krishna. Because it's just automatic. It's spontaneous. So we establish... You know, in our case, that habit becomes really important. It's, you know, because as long as we're practicing that habit, we know that it'll get us there. So it's the same thing as, you know, when I'm coming alongside with someone and helping them to establish these healthy habits. Again, I, all I can do is work with them, but I can't force them to do it. So some of the things that I look at is really understanding what drives a person what will help them make those changes. Because I look at myself, and it always comes down to why. Like, why do I want to lose weight? Why do I want to have these healthy habits? Why do I want to chant japa? Right? And, then, and then if you focus on that why, why am I doing this, then it becomes easier to say, oh, I'm doing this because I know that at the end of the day, I am servant of Krishna. And I want to not have you know, food control me. I want to be in control of food. I don't, you know, I don't want to be subject to the whims of my bodily desires. I want to be in control of that. So that then I start thinking of that and think, okay, then it becomes easier to pick up the beads and chant. It becomes easier to go for that walk or do that exercise or decline that piece of chocolate cake, you know, things like that. So it's important to know what drives us. I kind of more than answered your question straight a little bit. but <laughs> Hopefully that answered some of your questions. Any other questions? So the question is, is that when we're um, staying at the temple, living in the ashram, doing service all the time, it's easier to stay connected to Krishna, think of Krishna, bound up in that feelings of love for Krishna. But as we progress to maybe working outside, um, having a job, how do we maintain that meditation on Krishna and thinking of him all the time? So there's a couple of things that I did <clears throat> for that. Um, you can have physical visual reminders, right? If you have an office or a cubicle taping up pictures of Krishna, you know, favorite pastimes, whatever, on your wall. Um, if you don't have that, you know, you have a computer, maybe if the security isn't high, tight enough, you can upload a screenshot and have that be your wallpaper or even your, um, when the computer goes to sleep, but the, what, what's that called? I can't think of the word. Screensaver, yes. I don't know why I lost that word. Um, as your screensaver, I, you know, when I was working, I had my own, like, office kind of room that I could close the door. Um, so I had 
pictures. I had this really nice um, painted picture of Jagannath Baladev Subhadra that one of my devotee friends had painted, a big canvas. And I had it to where it was just right in front of my desk. So whenever I'd look up, I'd see it. And as an aside, the interesting thing about it is that whenever corporate would come, you know, they come into my office and they talk to me. Well, sometimes people notice the painting and some other times they never notice the painting. And so when I first put it up there, this one lady, this one lady from corporate, whenever she'd come in, she noticed it immediately. And she would literally come into my office just to look at the painting every time she'd come. And to her, like to me, I understood she was really attracted to Jagannath Baladev Subhadra. To her, she couldn't understand why she was so attracted to this painting. So, you know, you have visual reminders. I um, bought a little speaker and would have constant, like, kirtan, some of my favorite, like, mellow kirtan playing at low volume at all times. So anytime I walked in and out of my office, I always heard kirtan playing. So in between patients, I'd always hear kirtan. Um, you know, we could have other visual reminders, like you could wear a bracelet that reminds you to think of Krishna every time you look at it. Um, you know, I actually, I have this thumb ring that I bought. It's not specific for Krishna, but it's to remind me that, to focus on why I want to do certain things. So it, it doesn't physically look like that, but that's my intention when I bought it. So every time I see it, I feel it. I remember, like, oh, these are my goals, and this is what I want to focus on. Um, so doing, like, little reminders like that throughout the day. If you have a lunch break, you know, taking a few moments to chant one round or even just chant, you know, for three or four minutes if you had that time. When I was working, I didn't have that time. I worked through lunch. Um, but the other things would help a lot. And then... On the drive to work and back, I would either listen to a lecture or kirtan. So those were some of the ways that I kind of helped. I was still dressing the deities in the morning, so in the morning before work, I would do that. And that, the days that I dressed the deities, it was a lot like calmer throughout the day. Although I didn't get my rounds done in the morning because I was dressing. Um, but on the days that I didn't, I felt more rushed. Yeah, there's other things. You know, we have to learn to balance how to live outside because there, we can't do without money. Like, there's just no way. Um, on some level, we have to earn some sort of income. And my my goal, really, for me, is to have everything integrated. So it's not like there's one activity I'm doing just for money and another activity that I'm doing to spread spirituality and another activity that I'm doing to help people be healthier. I'm working on, like, integrating all of these things. So. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll end there. Dharandra Srimad Bhagavatam ki.